0: To the message, we've been in Luke twenty-four, and if uh, if God is willing, we should have today and then next Sunday to complete nearly four years in, in in Luke's gospel. Um. So, would you open God's precious holy word to Luke twenty-four? And we're in verse forty-four, and we're going to be through verse. Uh, through verse forty-nine today, uh, and I'm going to be in my Bible over here on my laptop, my my Greek text, and there's some there's some there's a couple of really good words here. This is I'm going to bring you a message. This message really is about the Great Commission. This is Luke's uh, account of the Great Commission. It's different from from Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew has one take on it. Luke has this take, and if you you have to put them together to really get the f- the fullness of the beauty of the great commission. Now we're still here on Resurrection Day. uh Christ early that morning, of course uh came out of the tomb, appeared to the woman, and then and then she ran, told the disciples, and Peter and John ran to check it out and you you, you recall that's been several messages into this. Um so now it's it's later it's it's much later it's toward evening here uh, I guess as far as the Jewish calendar would go it's probably Monday if it's after sunset but it's in close proximity to the resurrection he appeared to cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus uh and then when they recognized him he he vanished and then he appeared they ran they ran that road back to where they came from to the to the disciples and and uh, Christ appeared to the disciples. Now here, while he's there, he opens the meaning of the scriptures to them, and this is all in conjunction with the great commission. Um, the uh, the, the backdrop to all of this is how Christ, how Christ. In three years of teaching has been, okay, you, you'll live. She thinks I'm going crazy. I'm over here talking to myself. No, I'm okay. You're all right, too. Christ Christ has, uh, has been laying this foundation for the three years of his teaching and preaching to the mobs, the crowds, and to his disciples in private sessions. Because Judaism at that time, and I've said this many times, but I want to say it again. I didn't wear it out. Judaism had completely ignored the prophecies of the first coming of the Christ, the prophecies regarding the suffering Christ, and Christ had said more than once, "It was can't you see it's necessary for the Christ to suffer uh, to fulfill these things?" Well, they just ignored that, and up until now, really, the the uh, theology of the d- disciples and the apostles. Uh, had been incorrect. They'd been sort of raised on this thing that uh, when Messiah comes, he's going to put down Gentile rule. Uh, and they knew that it was time for the Messiah to show up because of the prophecies and the time frame that were given, the time frames that were given in the prophecies, the Old Testament, about the coming of the Christ, but it had to do with the first coming. Christ comes first as a suffering servant, and then he comes again as a glorious uh reigning authoritative king in power and glory. So now (laughs) he's standing there having suffered and died uh, to complete what he had to do. Uh, And now it's going to be much easier, I'm sure, to to make the disciples understand all the things he'd been teaching uh, for those three, three plus years. So here's the resurrected Christ, and we're in verse 44. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you, still being with you. In other words, I was, I've been telling you this when I was with you before I died and, and, and was resurrected, while I was still with you. That it necessitates all things To be fulfilled. Having been written, he makes makes three references here to the Law of Moses. The Hebrew Bible had had three divisions. You and I have 39 chapters in the Old Testament. The Hebrew Bible, however, is divided into three parts it has the Torah, the the Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and the Kevi'im, which is the scriptures or the writings. And here he mentions all three. Uh, he says it's necessary for all these things that were written to be fulfilled. They were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms surrounding me. Now, that, okay. Kasamois, peri emu, the Greek phrase there, and uh, and Psalms, and the word I want to look at here is peri. Uh, it's a word. Uh, it means um, that surrounds me. It's about me. It's all about me. It's it's concerning, in, inclusive of everything, comprehensively all about me. So, you know, the word perimeter comes from from that that word, uh, peri. Um, so it's a complete circle. It encirculates. It, it completely surrounds Christ. Now, what he's going to show them, and it's going to be easy for them to see now that he's standing there in a resurrection form with still bearing the marks of crucifixion and his having taught them and, and told them before his crucifixion that he had to suffer and die, it was necessary for that to happen. So here, uh, he says, that whole thing surrounds me. It's it's all about me. It's not about anything else. Uh, This this all concerns me. Now, he had 40 days. He would have about 39 days left here after his resurrection and before his ascension. So in those 40 days, those 39 days that are left, they're going to be taught by the master teacher. This is God. God in the flesh who is the word. Uh, He is going to carry them all the way through their Old Testament scriptures and show them uh, how how his death, burial, and resurrection were necessitated by the writings of the law, the prophets, and psalms. uh, Psalms in that portion known as as, uh, scriptures. These things concerning me then he, now this is an interesting word. He completely, um, it's, a, it's an intense word in the Greek text here. He completely opened, he completely opened there, and the Greek word is known, it means their understanding, their reason, their mental capacity. He completely opened up, Their ability to receive thoughts. Albert Einstein, it is said, operated on 13% of his brain. It's also said that the average human being operates on 8% of his brain. Now, according to the Greek word here, their complete capacity to reason was opened up. So that they could clearly understand, this is reasonable. This is this is okay. I see. Now this is this is something that you know they couldn't have understood this until the Lord Jesus Christ opened their minds to it. It's a it's a a lot of what and the church especially is a mystery. It's a mysterion. Greek text means that it's something that only God's going to have to unlock for you. This given their back drop their set, their background, and given the foundation of teaching in Judaism in which they grew up. It was extremely difficult for them to put this together. They just couldn't put it together. When I was in college, I took a course called Matrix Algebra. Lord have mercy. I didn't know that much about algebra. I took the prerequisites because they were required for, as a freshman, regardless of what your major was, and I was taking the maximum courses every, every semester. And there was nothing left. I got, I, man, I, the way they had that thing set up, I was on the tail end of the line to get my courses lined up. I was a sophomore, I think. And the only thing left was matrix algebra. I had no idea what that was. No idea, I'm not a mathematician. But I had a teacher who was so good that in the first couple or three classes, somehow I completely understood what he was talking about. I made an A in that class. I can't. I, I didn't even make an A in algebra itself, but he made that thing so easy to understand that I was able to sort of glide through that class. Now I use that as a an illustration because this was something I could not have understood on my own. Matrix algebra. Christ, the master teacher, God in the flesh, who is the word, who gives the word, who fulfills the word, Christ opens all of their capacity. And of course, Christ created these guys. He would know. He opened their capacity, their their mental capacity, as far as they could understand and reason, as far as they had the capacity Christ filled that capacity with an understanding of the scriptures concerning him in the, in the law, in the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim, all of it. So these guys, they didn't have a New Testament to go out and start the church with like we do. They didn't have, they didn't have the doctrines uh, of the church that, that we're taught on the things that we build the church upon. They didn't have that. They only had the Old Testament. Didn't matter because there it was. The Old Testament was replete with the teaching of Christ. And so now these guys who were raised up in the Old Testament, they'd heard that stuff before. But now Christ puts this stuff into the fullness of. Of their gray matter, of their brain cells. He as far as they as far as they have the capacity to receive it, he fills that capacity uh, to his disciples with the understanding of the scriptures. Now they understand. To see these guys not only have the education and the knowledge, but we're going to see here in a second, they're going to have the power to take up where Jesus leaves off. To understand the scriptures. And he said to them, uh, Hutos, thus it has been written. This is something that was written. This is, this is in the perfect indicative middle. This is in the perfect, this, man, it's always there. It's just always there. Thus it has been written. The Christ was to suffer. Let's stop there. When we started this general section of the Passion of Christ, uh, the suffering and, and crucifixion and so forth, when we started this section in Luke several weeks ago, as a precursor to it, we started with Isaiah 53. Hopefully you'll remember that. That's, that's probably the major text that is, is, is that prophesies the suffering of the Christ. There are many others. Uh, Psalm... Twenty-two, and and, and uh, of course Zechariah. And, uh, there, there are many others. Uh, so here's what he says. He says, "Okay, it was always there in the uh, it's uh, the, the, the Greek word. It did perfect. It was always. It's always there. It's, this is always there. Number one, Christ was to suffer." Now you guys in these three years leading up to this didn't catch on to it. But it was always there. And now, you're, now you're, you've been enabled to connect the dots. Now you've been able to see and understand. But it was always there. It has been written the Christ was to suffer and to rise out from the dead the third day. It was always there. Okay, Christ of course uh, referenced Jonah as a as an illustration in the Old Testament that you know as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. He referenced that, but there are others. There are, uh, Psalm Psalm sixteen that that God the Father would not suffer the Son uh, to see decay or corruption, and uh, Genesis twenty two where Abraham took Isaac. Uh, under the command of Yahweh, took Isaac up to the mountain uh, to offer him as a sacrifice. Well it took him two days to get there and then on the third day when he laid him out, when he laid him out, he, Isaac was delivered from death by God because you know the animal was tangled up in the thorns over there and, and Abram, Abram would say to Isaac God or Abraham would say to Isaac, God has provided for himself a lamb." That was the third day. That's an illustration of resurrection on the third day because Hebrews 11 goes back to Genesis 22, talks about Abraham offering his son Isaac, knowing that God was able to raise him up from the dead. Well, God did raise him up from the dead in a spiritual sense on the third day. God gave him the command for two days he traveled. On the third day he arrived, and on the third day he was released from that penalty of death. So there, there is, and then of course Hosea 6 talks about one day, the second day, and then the third day. Uh, so Christ would have taken them to these and I'm sure other, other scriptures that I can't think of just off the top of my head right now. But those were references of the resurrection out from the dead, the Christ resurrection, Christ's resurrection out from the dead on the third day. Well, when you're armed with absolute truth and the eternal Son of God... Arms you with that eternal absolute truth that, that's always there and can never be stopped, you're going to be, you're going to have courage uh, to do whatever he's about to tell you to do. So then he continues, and repentance, metan- uh, turn around. Change, Uh, turn around, uh, uh, a change of mind, a change, a change, a change of essential direction, a change of of mind uh, is a, it's an interesting, it's a beautiful word. Yesterday, I saw no need of a savior because I had no sense of sin. Today I'm changed. I'm sensitive to my sin. And I'm 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 repentant. I'm turning away and I'm going in the other uh, direction. So this is repentance. Now, he says, This is in your Bible. This is in your Bible. So so uh, you were to go out and proclaim. That's a beautiful word, proclaim. Uh, it comes from a, a, a root, kereso, which means, it means to, without holding anything back, it's it's to herald. It's to be a herald, a public crier of great news, to herald, to proclaim, uh, to bring out an authoritative word with power uh, to proclaim. And in this case, of course, it's the good news. So we're not to hold anything back here. We are to loudly and forcefully with authority proclaim the authoritative word uh, in his name, because he says, and to be proclaimed in his name, that is the Christ who suffered and, and, and I was raised out from the dead on the third day, uh, to be proclaimed in His name, what to be proclaimed? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. All right, this is the centerpiece of the whole thing. Every church member is a missionary. every church is charged with a great commission. every Christian is charged with a great commission. This is the great commission. The Bible is true, the centerpiece, the main character of the Bible is Jesus Christ and the main subject of the Christ is to suffer, die, and be raised up again so that those who are commissioned by him would have the authority and the power to go forth into the world and proclaim with power in his name repentance and forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. The word over here in the Greek text uh, aphison comes from aphesis and it means to send away. Go away. Get out of here. Go on. Get out of here. Uh, That's what God says to our sins. That's what Christ does for our sins. That's what what Christ forces of our sins. He sends them away. They're not there anymore. They're gone. Um, And in, in, in the, in the soteriological, soteriological teachings of the New Testament, the, the doctrine of salvation, it's a once-for-all thing. Uh, this is something that's absolutely settled. When you come to Christ, Christ takes care of you. Uh, it's, uh, my salvation, the payment for my sin, wasn't dependent upon me. It was only dependent upon Christ and only Him. And my journey with Christ is not dependent upon me, it's dependent upon Christ, the power of Christ to keep me. He had the power to save me, he has the power to keep me. And that's what I'm depending on and that's how the language reads. So what are we supposed to do? This is a great great message for us in these days. What are we gonna do when we emerge from this prison that we're in? Well, we just do what Jesus said. We have authority to do this. We have power to do this. We're going to see here in a second. Uh, in His name, tell people: if you will repent of your sins, you will be forgiven once for all. Forgiven. This is the this is the name of the game, to be forgiven of sins. Now you know, I, I'm I'm big I'm big into making sure that Christians understand doctrinal purity. Because I don't like to see my people misled and go astray. Uh, and and so we just study the Bible, take it from its original word, and we'll just rest on the word. If that's what it says, that's what it says. And we're not gonna we're not gonna toy with it at all. And I'm I'm really big into that, and that's very important. But you know the basic and first and foremost thing is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that in his name we find by repentance, we find forgiveness of sins. Now, this repentance and forgiveness of sins, that, that, that covers the gamut of all of those salvation words, uh, regener- regeneration, justification, atonement, adoption, um, you name it, whatever it is. It's all inclusive in this little phrase right here. It comes directly from Jesus. So he, he shows to them the power of the scripture regarding himself. It's always been there. This is an, this is an eternal thing and now we're armed with this truth. And for them, they only had the Old Testament. Man, how much more do we have than them? You know, in a lot of ways, Now, I, I'm not, uh, one of the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem is not going to be named after me. I'm not that good as an apostle. However, that said, we we have an advanced uh, stage of uh of ability that they didn't have. I mean, they had, of course, as apostles, they were armed with with the power to perform miracles in Jesus' name before the before the New Testament was completed. I understand all that. But we have the completed New Testament and how powerful it is. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he said, these other things are not needed once you have the completed thing. You don't need these other things. How, how powerful and how wonderful has has the Lord afforded us to be in his name to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins. Now, let me go to the next phrase. To all the nations. Now, that, that uh, tears down a lot of walls of prejudice and, uh, and uh, bigotry in the minds of these guys who grew up in Judaism. That was their culture. That's how they grew up. But the power of God is going to erase all that because you see, the Great Commission is not just for one or the other. It's for everybody. It's to go out to all the nations having begun apo, out from Jerusalem. Having begun out from Jerusalem. Now, remember, this is Luke, okay? We're, we're, we're studying Luke, and Luke also wrote the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which follows the Gospels in, in the order of New Testament books that you have. You'll see, a, you'll see this stuff followed up. Peter stands up and preaches repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name, and he he refers to, to Joel, whoever, uh, Joel chapter 2, whoever... Who's, you know, call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And, and uh, he talks about how the, uh, how that God sends us forth. Well, here it starts with, he says, going out from Jerusalem. Now, in Acts chapter one, Luke, who follows up with Acts, goes on in Acts chapter one, he, he, he completes the thought from Jerusalem and then Samaria, uh, or from Jerusalem to Judea and then Samaria and then into all the world. As far the remotest parts of the earth, and Jesus gives the promise. I'm with you. I'm always with you wherever you are. The Spirit of Christ is always with us, and we're never stronger as Christians than at those times when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, having said this, this is to be proclaimed. He says, this is who I am, what I've done, and the truth of all of this, is to be proclaimed in my name repentance and forgiveness of sins. All nations have begun from Jerusalem. Now, here comes the commission. You are witnesses of these things. Wow. Okay, here are these guys been hiding in the dark, uh, scared to death. You guys are witnesses. And look, I am sending the promise of the Father, of my Father. I am sending the promise of my Father uh, to, uh, he's sending out, uh, the word apostle is in there, I'm sending out the promise of my Father upon you. However, you remain in the city until that you should be enswathed, until you should be put upon, um, endued or clothed upon uh, with uh, with this power from on high, with power from on high. So this is their next job. Now they'll spend the next thirty nine days. Well, it's it's a, it's it's implied here, and we infer, that the next 39 days before he ascended, Christ teaches them all this stuff from the New Testament. Now, when that's over, their job number one was to study under Jesus. People often talk about, well, you don't have to go to school, do all this. Well, you need to be learned in the scriptures if you're going to try to teach it or preach it. And that was no different for the disciples. They went to the Holy Ghost. They went to the Seminary of the Holy Ghost, or in this case, the Seminary of the Risen Lord. Uh, Paul went to the desert, and he attended the Seminary of the Holy Ghost. It's not that you're just going to go out there uh, and throw open the Bible and put your finger down and pick out a scripture and start preaching. It's just not like that. You have to be prepared. This is a spiritual thing uh even in the old testament prophets and patriarchs they were prepared for things that they did for god god prepared them in this case jesus prepared his disciples uh for what they were about to do yes they were educated now they were called unlearned and unlettered men by by the by the pharisees and people in uh Jerusalem when they started preaching who are these guys they're they're ignorant and un- unlettered uh they're unlettered and unlearned men that is they didn't have a they didn't have a diploma from one of the school, one of the rabbinical schools there. That didn't matter. Uh, Jesus prepared them. Uh, so here's here's the point. Anybody who's going to go out, we have to be prepared. We have to know what we're saying, um, and uh, we will have experienced it, and then we ponder upon it. But we can share with others what's happened to us because that only comes to us by the divine power of uh, Almighty God. So job number one, spend the next 39 days sitting at the feet of Jesus and really learning the Old Testament. Then job number two, go sit and wait until you get the power from the Father that He has promised. He says, uh, I'm sending the promise of of my Father upon you. But you remain in the city until that you should be enswathed, endued, clothed upon, invested with power from on high. That's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Day of Pentecost. Let's see, okay, you had, um, you had Passover and you had unleavened bread you had first fruits or harvest, and that was on Easter Sunday. That would be the Sunday when Christ rose from the grave. Uh, but from that time frame, you go fifty days forward. That's that's Pentecost. That was that was a, that was actually whoops. That was actually more the law of the harvest. Uh, more of the law of the harvest, and so the day of Pentecost was a, was was harvest. Uh And they were waiting there for power from on high. So 40 days after his resurrection, 10 days after that, that's Pentecost. Um, And the day of Pentecost came, and they were empowered. Now, this was a big time in Jerusalem where people came from all over the world. Jews came from all over the world for their required uh, feasts and rituals in their law. So there were hundreds of thousands of people there and they all spoke different languages because they grew up in another culture under another language. Uh, And so here it comes. It sounds like a mighty rushing wind and then fire comes and divides itself and sits on the head of each uh, one of the 120 who were up there. And so there's fire and there's wind. You see, that's the Old Testament picture of the Holy Spirit. Now they go out and proclaim, and in the power of the Spirit, they preach such that everybody hears in his own language. That took, great, that took the great power of the Holy Spirit. And it was an early lesson that there are not going to be any barriers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't sweat the small stuff. The Lord will take care of it. You just go and do what you're supposed to do. The Lord will take care of the details. So empowered in the Holy Spirit, they went forth. And you know, you and I are sitting here right now worshiping Jesus Christ because those guys were empowered and went forth. And the message was transmitted down the line all the way to us and the time when we came to Christ and we sit here today worshiping Him. Some wonderful day here in the near future, I hope our our doors are going to be opened and our cars are going to be cranked up and we're going to get out and live again. And I'm if the Lord doesn't come and I have some things to say about that tonight when we study the Revelation at six o'clock, our Sunday study is at six o'clock and we've come to the Revelation chapter two and we'll begin to study the seven churches. Uh but if the Lord doesn't come, and I, I'm I'm beginning to think he's going to come very, very soon, but if he doesn't come before we get released from our bondage here and we can go back into the world, I hope we all have a renewed uh, a, re, a, re, a renewed spirit with regard to the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the most basic of things, to preach and teach repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name. Uh, we, we start out there and... And, and then we make disciples. That's the Great Commission. They become learners. And then they're, they're further instructed and further strengthened. And in all of that further strengthening, they engage in worship because the more they learn about what Christ has done for them, who He is, and what He's done for them, not just in that moment of time, but what He prepared for them for all of eternity. Uh, I hope when we when we leave our prisons here, that we are energized once again to do the main thing uh, and to to reach out to others. Okay, well, God bless you. Remember, tonight at uh, 6 o'clock, we'll continue our study of the Revelation, and then we're going to try something different on Wednesday night, uh, and you'll be getting more instruction about that, where we can all hook in together, and if you want to, you can join in Uh, with your camera on. You know how to turn your camera on if you don't want nobody to know that you're there visually. Uh, And we're going to try to engage in a a time of, of prayer together at that time when we have our prayer time at that point in time. Let me pray. Lord, we marvel at the beauty of your word at how because the Holy Spirit has come into our lives, we are given this understanding and the scales fall off of our eyes and our ears can hear and our hearts that were hardened have become softened and and can receive the truth of your word. And now we hear your commission that we are to proclaim, first of all, the simple message that there is forgiveness of sins by repentance in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for our time together here. Thank you for Shiloh and for all the Bible-believing churches. And I pray, oh God, that you would strengthen us as a local body of believers to be obedient to your word and to, to immerse ourselves in your word and to love it and to share it Uh, with others. I pray, God, for your safety and healing for our people. God, I pray that you'll keep us safe from the harm of this virus. I pray that you'll protect us in every way. And then very soon, oh God, for our, our whole nation, I pray that we'll be delivered from this awful thing, this enemy that we cannot see. I pray your blessings on all of our leaders, our national and state and local leaders, that you'd give them wisdom and guidance and that you would comfort them in your word as they make what would seem to be difficult decisions in these days and give them the right path to follow that only you can do. And, Father, we're thankful for all of those who lead us. We're thankful for the great nation that you've placed us in, the freedom that we have to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, unlike probably the rest of the world. So, Lord, in these last days, help us to seize the opportunity and to be obedient to you in all things we lift up our praise and our gratitude to you now in Jesus name amen okay i want to thank everybody for worshiping with us in the best way we could and we're going to try to improve on this but maybe maybe not too much farther down the road we'll we'll be back together in our church god bless you